Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. In today's show, we're interviewing Jack Gibson, the president and co-founder of High Return Real Estate. Now, you know that it's not enough just to make a decent living and trust someone else to manage your money for you. Instead, you want to have control of your life and your financial destiny. Now, that's why we here at The Money Advantage help business owners build time and money freedom. And we do that using our three-step cash flow system to help you keep more of the money you make through tax planning, debt restructuring, and cash flow awareness, and restructuring your savings to where you can access it as an emergency and an opportunity fund. Then we help you protect your money with things like legal and insurance protection and privatized banking. And then we help you to make more by investing in cash flowing assets that help you build that time and money freedom and leave a rich legacy. Now today's conversation about turnkey real estate investing will educate you and give you options for investing for cash flow. So let's talk a little bit more about who is Jack Gibson. Now, Jack began his entrepreneurial journey at age 19 and founded his first company at the ripe old age of 21. Operating a successful nutrition consulting and distribution company, he had built a multi-million dollar venture before he was old enough to rent a car. Soon after, he bought his first home as an investment. And then as can happen, one quickly became five and then the bug hit. He became obsessed with learning everything about real estate investing and soon had over 50 investment properties generating passive income. Today, Jack spends his time mentoring other entrepreneurs, building his real estate investment portfolio, and helping other investors to build a brighter future through the power of turnkey real estate income. Let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, along with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Morning, Rachel. Once again, we're bringing on a spectacular guest here, and uh, Jack is going to inspire us all with his knowledge of the real estate market. I hope all our business owners and individuals uh, sit down today and really concentrate on this podcast. Absolutely. So without further ado, that is Jack Gibson with High Return Real Estate, and we're going to go ahead and bring him onto the show. Good morning. Welcome, Jack. All right. Good morning. Hey, Rachel, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to a great conversation today. And so as we kind of jump into learning about you and the work that you do, can you tell us a little bit about who you were before you got into real estate and became a successful entrepreneur? Yeah, I actually was um, 19 and I was going to college. I was sitting in my dorm room one day. I'd always had the entrepreneurial bug. Um, but I just didn't know, you know, how to apply that, especially at a young age. And I was getting disgruntled with the whole go to school, study hard, get good grades, you know, get a job, all that. That wasn't really the path I wanted to be on, but uh-huh. just trying to make my parents proud. <laughs> and um, another college student gives me a flyer while I'm sitting in the dorm and ended up being a uh, multi-level marketing nutrition opportunity. And at first I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to sell anything. I just want to, you know. I don't know. I want to figure something else out besides this. And then um, I, for whatever reason, it hit me. Hey, why not just keep an open mind and check it out? Like, what do you, what do you have to lose an hour? You know, like that's where I think people lose opportunity all the time. Like it's right in front of you and you just don't ever really take a look at it. So. Oh, sure. 
um, I took a look at the business and started. And um, by my, let's see, it would have been a year in, I started really gaining some traction. And by 24 months in, we created a million dollar business right from my dorm. So um, had a lot of challenges, of course, in that first 12 months I had to figure out. And then um, went into that business full time when I graduated college, got the diploma, made par- my parents proud. You know? <laughs> and um, I've been doing that ever since. It's still actually a very successful, amazing business model. Um, we had I think we closed out probably at least 10 or 12 million in sales. I, I don't know the total numbers yet wow. for 2018 for that entity. But um, incredible business model. I think that gets still a little too controversial, but for what it's for the value that is offered in that type of model. But I mean, to have a business where I have no employees, no overhead, uh, can work from home, set my own hours completely now on autopilot. I mean, and, and it's also blessing and helping other people financially with their health, nutrition. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great model. So that well, I think uh, business. I think it's awesome that you bring that out because I think a lot of times people discredit just business in general and and say, oh, you know, that's that's just for the business owner. They're just trying to make a profit. But it's interesting how many opportunities there are to bless and serve other people and really provide value in their lives. And it's amazing that you stayed with that open mind. And that just was the open door for opportunity for you. Absolutely. So it was about uh, four years ago where a couple events happened that, you know, we always, there's a saying that things happen for you, not to you. Like oh, yeah. the, the negative things that happen in your life, they're happening for you and um, and not not against you. And at the time you think they're against you. But then when you look back with hindsight, right, that, that they really were a blessing in disguise. So mm-hmm. our company got attacked by a, it was actually the largest financial attack in American business history. It was a $1 billion short bet that was placed against our company's stock, which were publicly traded. So mm-hmm. with that, kind of attack, like it, it kind of just set me up to say, wow, like I only have one real stream of income here. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I have some a cash that I've accumulated and that's invested into the, you know, into the market at the time, but I don't have another stream of backup income. Should anything happen to where my income is from my primary business is, you know, tampered with, so to speak, or whatever the case. Oh, sure. It's market, a risk. Yeah, it's risk. So, I realized at that point that, you know, to really, if I really wanted to um, create a long-term smart financial plan that I needed to have multiple streams of other income and other sectors. So that's when I realized, okay, real estate is where I want to go because, you know, it's passive income if you, you know, do rentals and do it right, buy and hold. So. Absolutely. Was Robert Kiyosaki any part of that transition for you? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I read his book back in 2000, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I mean, I loved it got inspired and mm-hmm. just in at the time I realized like look I need to stay singularly focused on what I'm doing Love with it. nutrition like I need to ha- take all my 100% of my bandwidth and just grow this business but I knew down the line that yes I knew I was going to diversify and do real estate and then that that event along with you know stocks dropping <laughs> like a rock um when I was in oil three that was about the same time three or four years ago I realized with those two events, with what I had already realized or understood with the mindset of what Kiyosaki teaches that, okay, now's the time I need to make a move. That's great. So how did you then 
make that transition into real estate? I mean, if it was brand new to you, how did you dip your toe in at first? Yeah, you know, I realized that I was I had an hour every morning at the gym that, you know, I, I was kind of I wouldn't say wasting, I mean because mm-hmm. I'm at the gym, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not utilizing that time to really educate my mind. I was using it to, you know, build a better, healthier body, but I could be using that to educate myself um, on on things like real estate. So instead of listening to music, which I still do that, right? But, you know, I still listen. To, now I listen to a ton of podcasts while I'm working out. And I just, so I, for 100 straight days, I listened to an hour-long podcast on real estate for 100 straight days. Oh, that's awesome. And right while I was working out. And then I do it you know, in the car. Just times where I was, you know, had opportune moments. And that's how, you know, I learned a lot right there, read some books, but it was mostly podcasts and then just dove in and took action, you know, instead of waiting around. And I made some mistakes. I think if I would have waited longer and done more research and really understood, you know, more about it, possibly could have avoided mistakes, but that's really not the way I've ever operated in business. Like it's, what did they say? Ready, aim, fire. I like fire aim ready i do the opposite uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> works sometimes sometimes it doesn't <laughs> which at the same time i mean you can build this perfect mindset you can build a perfect model of a business in your mind and then finally execute when all the opportunity is passed and then maybe you're not going to even yeah. get a chance to 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 figure it out otherwise you can start and pivot and figure out the the stuff along the way and That's it right. sounds like you were the the person to jump out of the airplane and build the parachute on the way down. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was your first step into real estate then? Did you purchase single family house or on your own? How did you do that? Yeah. Um, I, I bought a single family. Well, I already, <clears throat> I already had a rental for quite a few years. That was our, my very first starter home. So I kind of had a little bit of, you know, entryway into the, you know, realization that, wow, the, for eight years, I've had this property since you know I owned it, and we've had to rent it out every month for eight years. Like, there's demand for rental property. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, the problem with that one was that that you know I was just in too high of a price point, really, to make a, a really good cash on cash return. So, you know, making five, six, seven percent, maybe, right? Nothing exciting at all. So, um, okay. I started researching, you know other markets and turnkey real estate popped up in my podcast, you know, listening. And I realized like, wow, like turnkey would be a great way for me to start just simply because I don't have a lot of the knowledge of how to acquire a property at below market pricing or find a good deal, how to rehab it, you know, and how to get good tenants in place. Like all of that is, you know, was well above my knowledge base. And also at that time, the time and energy I was willing to put into it. So mm-hmm. bought a single family turnkey and then um, that was started getting great returns. So I just started buying more and more and started just continually building a portfolio. And it uh, pretty soon had, I think, 50 plus units. So That's that was, awesome. it was going great. And then I realized that I could make some money because there were other people that I knew. I started referring them to my turnkey provider. So then I was getting the commission off everybody that I referred in. And then, then I just started taking a more and more of an active role in the business. And then finally, the final stage was, wow, we can really scale this beyond just people that I know through my network. If I can build a, um, you know, a digital marketing, you know, more of a, a nationwide type branding opportunity. So that's when I 
got a hold of my uh, digital marketing coach at the time, Shecky, Jeff mm-hmm. Schechter, aka Shecky, and he was my digital marketing coach. So we just partnered up, and I provided you know my skill set in terms of business, and he provided his marketing expertise, and we created this pretty cool company now to where we're we're now in control of all the processes as well. Well, that's a great that's a great segue. So let's talk about your company, High Return Real mm-hmm. Estate. And so how'd you get started? And um, I, I presume you built it together and, and Shecky was not just you're doing your marketing. Yeah, we're 50-50 partners in the company and uh, he's now the CEO. So um, I'm, I don't know even what my position would be, but um, he, I let him really run a lot of the, that aspect of the company just because like that's his 100% focus and all of his bandwidth is, is directed towards that company. Whereas I still have another large nutrition company. I've got two little kids. Um, so I'm like, I realize my bandwidth is not the same to justify me being in a CEO operations position. So, um, you know, I gave up some, some of the pay, right. To put him in the CEO position, but I, I even love that you bring that out just because that's a team focused environment. You're, you're saying, here's my unique ability. Here's the unique ability of someone else. And how can we be better together instead yeah. of yeah, that, putting it all on your shoulders? And that's one of the focuses of, of our podcast is we want to help business owners build a life that they love. And in order to do that, you really need to stay in your lane and then that's surround right. yourself with people that have, you know, things that complement uh, your particular style. So. What what do what are some of the different things that both of you bring to the table? Well, that's a great question. You know, um, we definitely are aligned a lot. Like we don't have a lot of arguments, so that's good, right? A lot of times when you have two partners come together with totally different, you know, worldviews or whatnot, that there can definitely be some conflict there. We always come together pretty really well. Um, so I'm I'm really good at um, making sales. So that's always been what I've just do. So I can bring in investor capital um, and provide all the capital in terms of what we need to acquire the properties. Um, so I do a lot of the acquisitions of the properties. Um, I do uh, a lot of the like working with the investors, and especially the bigger ones, if we need to close deals. Shecky's really good at um, crafting an email in, in his it's just amazing how he can write an email and then within 20 hours, 24 hours, boom, it's sold. So he can really, um, he can do that effectively. He does all the website kind of development. Like we hired and outsourced that, but he can see all the details. So he's really more of like the detail oriented structure systems. I'm more of like fire away. Let's go, you know, driving, just growth looking at different opportunities for us to continue. And um, I'd say I'm really good too at putting together a team. Like I put together most of our team that we have today. That's awesome. Can you tell us, um, just kind of give an overview of what high return real estate is, what you guys do mm-hmm. and kind of your your big picture process. I mean, I know we're going to probably dive into a few of the elements that really make it work for you, but just kind of give a big picture of what you guys are doing in the turnkey. Yeah, so the big picture kind of real short summary is we we sell a cash flow producing asset to our investors. In other words, they're buying, not so much buying a, a house as they are buying a stream of income. Mm-hmm. So when you really like boil that. it all down, like what are they paying? What's the investor really paying for? They're not, they're really not paying for a house. They think they are, but 
they're paying they're they're paying for what that stream of income provides uh, for what mm-hmm. that property and the stream of income it provides to them back, right? So in, in effect, they're buying a cash on cash ROI. So that's the big that's awesome. like if you really like boil it all down, that's a big picture. So if you break down what it takes to get to that point, it's I mean, it's unbelievable what how many moving parts there are to get it to <laughs> oh, that sure. point for the investor. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I like sometimes I'm like, why did I ever sign up for to do this? Like, <laughs> this, is, this is, there's so so much to it that it can be pretty overwhelming. So we um, kind of take it from the beginning. We acquire properties that are typically distressed in order to get good pricing and for us to be able to make money. We have to find deals, and usually the deals are the deals aren't the pretty houses on the MLS. The, the deals oh, are the ones that you know, they're abandoned or there's a tenant in there that's not paying for the last six months, you know, they're, mm-hmm. and they need five, $10,000 worth of repairs and the owner just wants out. So now we can buy those properties off market at a pretty good discount. And then now our value add is how do we get that back to performing status for our investor base? So now we're, um, we do the acquisition and then we're doing the rehab. We have a lot of um, crews that we have both internally and then we can outsource as well. And then we um, we have our management companies all in house, so they're placing the tenants, leasing up the properties, and then they're doing the ma- ongoing maintenance and repairs, and you know chasing down the tenants for rent, which we're in C class mostly, B, Cs, and Bs. So it does take some pretty aggressive management to get the properties you know to perform. But hey, they Jack, also, before you go any further, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Our, Sorry, explain to our listeners when you say Bs and Cs. <clears throat> sure. No, great question. <clears throat> So your A class is going to be typically, you know, your, how do you put it? That's your, that's going to be your typically your higher earner, earners, right? Your $100,000 household income type properties that they're willing to pay, you know, 2000 a month, 1500 2000 2500 a month in rent. So that's a nice three, two, four, two, five, three type house. Nice, really nice neighborhoods, right? Um, those are tough to cash flow though. I mean, usually, you know, you're paying premium for those types of neighborhoods and the rents still don't equate to getting a, a really bottom line, good net ROI. Yeah. Tax rates are normally higher. And yeah. Higher. Oh yeah, absolutely. All of that. Yeah. So some people can do it, but in today's market, wow, is it, it's very, very difficult to get anything beyond, you know, five, 6%. So then B's and C's are going to be, so you're still getting a lot of owner occupied neighborhoods. And oftentimes those are usually, you know, four ones, three twos, um, whereas C-class is going to be almost all rental areas where the, the, they don't, there's not a lot of home ownership in those areas. A lot of blue, cla- uh, blue collar workers, um, you know, they're, they're making, you know, really not that much money, maybe three times the rent. And um, they're, it's, it is definitely a class tenant class too, where, you know, in December for them paying their, you know, buying Christmas presents is, can be more important than paying rent. So <laughs> it's just the reality. I'm not trying to scare I hope I'm not scaring off anybody from what we do, but it's the reality of what we do. Right. We like reality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So that kind of gives you an, but the, the really the cash flow is, is in C class because we can, you know, we can get properties to our investors for, you know, uh, 40, 50,000 single family homes for six to 700 rents. So they're cash flowing at least 10% net ROI after all expenses. 
uh, it's mm-hmm. in today's market, it's really, really good. That's a just outstanding cap rate. So that's, that's where excellent. we find that, you know, we kind of need to, to stick in order to, to really cr- create a really nice stream of passive income for our investors. And if they, if they want to get something, you know, a little bit, maybe a less of a, a roller coaster ride, you know, they're going to buy something, you know, they're going to make four or 5% on in today's market. That's the reality. I don't want to. The other thing about, oh, oh go, go ahead, Bruce. Um, I know that there's a, a D class as well. So I don't know if you want to just fill out that whole spectrum just so that we can uh, make, make sense to the <laughs> listeners that we're not talking about the bottom of the, of the barrel. Here. Right. Yeah. D class we run. That's, that's yeah. basically what <laughs> D class is. D class yeah. would be heavily, usually heavily crime oriented, lots of drugs, lots of, uh, lots of theft, lots of, just lots of bad things. And All we're right. very, so very, I just very wanted tough to-, to, to manage. Oh, I'm sure. And, yeah. and maybe that would cash flow, but you're not going to probably have anything reliable in terms of income. Well, they'll, they'll <laughs> just, you know, destroy your property. So any cash flow that you created is all going to go back into, you know, tenant turn. So you gotcha. think you're making good money, but then in long term, you're, you're really not. And look, there's people out there that would say, you know, I can make tons of money in D class. And you, you, but you, typically you have to be extremely, extremely good. And very hands-on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe not as much in the turnkey space, right. but more um, as a very active direct yeah, investor, very right? Active. That's the word. Yep. So, go ahead, Bruce. So, Jack, we had Jefferson Lilly on a few weeks ago, and he actually runs in the um, in the mobile home space. And yeah, what he said, and I'm, and I, we don't know you very well, but I think people don't realize that you're providing a service when you're going in and rehabbing these homes for people that now have decent actual, you know, living conditions that they can rent from because rental property, decent rental property at a good rate across the nation is, 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 is in high demand right now. There's not a lot of great places that people can live for, for a reasonable price. So, very true. How how do you see this going forward as far as the uh, how many properties that you can obtain and and rehab and offer at a reasonable price for renters in the future? You know, that's a great question. I mean, right now we have 400 under 400 units under management and that's just really uh, under the, just in the last year. So in about a year ago, we formed a partnership with a, our partner company called Urban House. And um, they these were our guys that were acquisition guys. Like they, they were feeding us properties, right? But then oh, they okay. saw our struggles with, you know, outsourcing property management uh, to where the outsourced property management, the way they make their money is through the upcharging maintenance and repairs. So they were charging so much that they were just eating away all of our investors' cash flow every month. Mm. And it was just driving. I mean, it really hurt us because we worked so hard to get these properties performing and all that. And then we see our investors come back complaining that, hey, this isn't really making that great of an ROI. So we knew we had to take it internal. And that's when our acquisition guys at the time, we talked to them like, look, guys, you know how to do this. You manage properties. You've got to take on the management if you want to keep this machine rolling. And so they they agreed to do it. So now... Josh Wetzel is our property management guy. Kevin is our acquisitions guy. 
So now we can all kind of more, like you said, stay in our own lanes mm -hmm. and we can be totally in control of the entire process all the way through. And we don't, our investors aren't getting gouged on, you know, after the sale type repairs and maintenance. So that's, that's been huge. That brings me up to my, that brings me to my next question. I ask us of every uh, turnkey people that we have on, because I actually fell into this with a property I owned in California where every, it's exactly what you said. Every time somebody moved out, um, no matter what happened to the property, which a lot of it I thought was was the uh, tenant should have been paying for out of their deposit, the property management person would just return the deposit and then you know call me up and say, "Hey, we need to fix this you know hole in the wall. We need to fix this blind that's broken now." Blah blah blah. You know, going on and on. And I'd say, "Now wait a minute." that hole in the wall should have been the tenant and this blind was actually yeah. broken in half. It wasn't like, you know, the, 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 the rope broke or something that, you know, the actual blind board was broken. I said, this should have been sure. taken tenant. No, well, it's, we just consider that normal wear and tear. And Oh, by the way, it's going to cost you this much to repair it. So here's the bill. And of course they got you where they want you because you got to get a tenant in there and you can't get it. So you just say, you just get worn down you say, okay, fix it. And then you send in the money. It's like, really really frustrating so i eventually just sold that property and got the heck out of there so how do you yeah. how do you handle that with your management property as far as putting you know that security deposit and and holding that and so that you don't just return that and then the the uh, owners have to pay for the repairs so security deposits are they're a tougher thing in c-class property you know like Okay, so say the rent's six fifty on a two bed, one bed, two two bed, one bath house, right? So typically we can get six hundred fifty bucks, right? Sometimes if we are just we need to fill the property, we'll take three hundred, right? So to get much more than, I mean, really realistically, they should be putting down twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars down, but you're not ever going to lease anything up if you right. do that. And typically they should be paying a full month's deposit down. But they, then again, sometimes you won't be able to lease up the property if you, if you're, you know, doing that all the time. So you have to kind of just, you know, uh, move and move with them, but they rarely do they get their deposits back. I mean, they usually do something, you know, where you take that money and you put it in and typically on a tenant turn, I mean, look, there's, there's no way around it. The investor is always going to have to do something on a mm -hmm. tenant turn. The, the, what we realized with our model, though, is that we can mitigate those um, risks because we have internal teams that we're paying hourly that we don't mark that up. So the investor is getting that at cost. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's huge for their that's cash wonderful. flow. Yeah, because we know at the end of the day, if they're not getting a good cash flow, two things aren't going to happen. Number one, they're not going to buy any more properties, which. Mm -hmm. That's that's a terrible event if that doesn't happen, because <laughs> we want a smaller investor pool just that we're building a long term partnership with versus trying to oh, onboard. Right. right. You know, hundreds of clients like, ah, you know, that's that's a lot of work. And then the mm -hmm. second part is we totally thrive on referrals. So if they're getting good cash on cash return, then they're going to open us up to their, you know, uh, higher net worth friends and family. And that's gosh, that makes our job so much easier, right? Like, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we knew we had to control the whole processes and keep the cost down for our investor base. Or this thing is, we're going to work so hard to onboard new clients and just going to have to keep doing that 
over and over and over again. I'm not interested in that. I want long-term repeat business. And and as far as your property management fee, is it a percentage or a flat rate? And um, maybe you could talk about the pros and cons of both. It's a flat 10%. I think that's uh, fairly standard in the, in the market from what I've seen. Um, you know, I've heard people say, well, that's, you know, that's high, that's low. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, our property management division is merely a tool to facilitate the acquisition and sales of properties. So that's how our property management team makes their money is through an acquisition fee. We make our money through selling property management is just a tool to help our investors to cash flow. So it's a break even scenario at, at best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, the, we charge one month, the first month lease up fee. Um, We've had companies that I partnered with originally and he only charged 150 bucks, but that it's not a long-term sustainable uh, way to grow and scale a company. There's just not enough uh, cash flow coming in to um, have enough lease up agents, have good leasing agents um, and really, you know, screen tenants effectively. You've got to, you've really honestly got to charge, you know, to us and C-Class, you got to charge first full month's Mm -hmm. rent. So I was going to ask you, I believe that you have um, on your website a checklist that somebody can grab, and that's called the ultimate checklist. Know with complete certainty which property is the best turnkey investment in five minutes or less without second guessing your decision. <laughs> and I wanted to, I love that title. And the other thing that I, I kind of want to bring in along with that is how does the investor, okay, so say I'm listening to this podcast, I, I'm sold on the idea of having cash flow properties. I know that turnkey is my best solution because I'm not a real estate guru yet. There's a lot of turnkey options. How do you make sure that you're working with a company that you're going to get what they say you're going to get and you're not going to have to be concerned about um, things that you mentioned like, you know, they're going to fix up the property after they tell you mm-hmm. what the what the um, cash flow is going to be and then you're not sure what those costs are or there might be higher tenant turnover or things like that. How do you minimize those risks and choose the right company that's not going to burn you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, a lot of people got burned by a couple of companies in the indie market because they were buying things before they were actually done. So they were, you know, buying them and then in the hopes that the company would keep their word to do the rehab to the quality, you know, that they said that they would. Well, the problem with that, um, especially when doing out of state investing, is that the quality of the rehab can be very, very different from what your expectation is compared to what they're actually planning on delivering. Mm. You know, they can also hide a lot of stuff in the rehab, you know, like, like I say, put lipstick on a pig, they can make it really look good on the pictures. But Mm -hmm. if the internal bones of the property, the electrical, the plumbing, you know, the uh, foundation, the roof, all of that isn't intact and isn't in good, good quality. I mean, you know, you can get killed over the long haul fixing that stuff back up. So then you paid way too much for the property. And now on top of that, you have to go back and fix the bones. So that's what a lot of investors ran into, um, in that we saw from other companies. And so we just decided that we, and we don't know how a lot of other turnkey companies operate. We actually haven't taken the time to really study them, to be honest, because we just want to do the best we can for what we're doing for our investors. 
So we just said, okay, look, we want to make sure that the investor has full confidence and full disclosure of everything about this property so that they know when they buy it, they know how old the roof is. They know the electric works. They know the plumbing's in good place. You know, they know the foundation's been, so we have a independent third-party inspection company come in, take a look at everything. Now they don't nitpick the property apart. We do a five-point inspection. So it's basically to cover all the major infrastructure the really costly stuff for the investor that would happen down the road. And that then anything that comes up on that report, we're back in with our crews addressing all those issues or, or sometimes there's none really or very, very tiny minimal issues. Sometimes there's just a few things we really need to address. So we take care of that. We provide a signed um, uh, third party inspection compliance report. And then boom, we put all that into a folder, send that with all the pictures, everything we possibly can so that, they can just say, look, this is, this, we, we see everything about this property. We know what's going on with it. So that's great. Yeah. That makes a difference. Now I, I always say this in my experience, cause I bought property in different markets with different teams around the country. You know, I'm in, I think I bought in five different, five different companies and some of them have not been so great. And what I found is that it's, not so much just buying a property, but you're really buying the team that's behind the property. Mm-hmm. And that's in any it's business, right? People. I think in terms of like, if you're going to really be successful in a partnership with a company, it's the product, of course, and what they do, the product is important. Yes, of course, can't mm-hmm. say that it's not important, but who's the team be, that's standing behind it that's going to partner with you to create long-term passive income? That to me is absolutely the whole critical part of the deal. So kind of like the example I always give is you can pay more for a property and it could look even not nearly as good on paper with the ROI. But if the team that's behind it is really good, then that will outperform the property that looks better on paper. That's excellent. So how do you guys then demonstrate to your investors that you guys are the right team? We encourage them all to fly in and, and do an investor tour and meet us and come to our office and see the properties and get a feel for what we're doing. We, we offer them all in um, reference checks. You know, we, I give them ref, you know, referrals and references to people that have known me for 20 years that have done real estate transactions with me um, that know, you know what they can expect. We give them some long-term investors, some short-term ones that have just gotten started that way they can do their due diligence if they decide they want to. And some do, some don't, you know, they, they see what we do. And one guy was contacted uh, Nicole, our head of investor relations a week ago, Tuesday and closed on Friday. So I don't think he didn't put us through the ringer on the, you know, the checks, (laughs) but he felt comfortable with what we were doing. So, you know, I think it's everybody's kind of up to them what they, what they feel comfortable with. Right. That's great. And then I know that another piece of what you're doing then to make sure that the investors are getting what they think they're getting is that you guys are going through uh, making sure that you're screening your applicants, you're um, handling the lease agreement with the tenant, um, you're handling that repairs and maintenance like you mentioned, and um, and really guaranteeing or not, I don't know if guarantee is a good word that you can really not use in many right. businesses, but at the same time, you're putting that direct deposit directly into their account. Um, just, is there anything else that you want to share about making sure that the investor knows upfront what they're getting when they work with you? Well, we definitely, 
certainly don't guarantee anything. In fact, we make them sign an affidavit when they buy the property along with the purchase agreement that we uh, want you all to know this is a property and and, and like any investment, it has risks and and so on. So we try to make sure that they get that. Um, You know, we we definitely, uh, and again, I want to go back to C-class property is it is challenging to manage but um, if you have the right systems and processes in place, and we do screen our tenants, but you can't overscreen them. There's a there is a middle ground to where if you screen too hard, like we had a property management company that we used two three years ago when we were outsourcing, still where I mean we'd have property vacant for four or five months because he was screening so so hard, oh. right? So now six months of vacancy, like that's a costly on a property. I mean, really costly. We had another company where they would, anybody who could remotely fog a mirror, like I don't think they were, now that I look back, they couldn't have been doing any type of checks at all. (laughs) Just throw somebody in and just hope that they pay. Well, Somewhere right in the middle between those two extremes is what we find is the best way to go. And, you know, then um, the the good thing about the state of Indiana is that the eviction law is very uh, much on the homeowner side. I was just going to ask so that we question because that's really important. Yeah, we can get people out in 30 days. I think if you're in a state like New York, yeah, you, I mean, it takes six months from what I've heard. I mean, you got to really be screening Really, yeah, I really. Six, hard. I think it's six months before you can start the proceedings. I, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like in, I heard in Chicago and some parts that they, you can't get them out in the winter, no matter what. Just something. I mean, it's like wow. Like, wow. how are you going to be able to protect yourself as the homeowner when you're in those type of situations? Yeah, and the so, tenants know these laws and take it and take advantage of them. And it, Absolutely, Absolutely, they know. Now they're all talking to each other about how to, you know, make sure they can maximize mm-hmm. their 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 part of the ROI <laughs> equation. It's just not paying. <laughs> so I wanted to. Well, I was oh, just going to say that one of the things I I think is important in any kind of cash flowing situation is that you do have good tenants. So I used to do this on my own when I had my two my two family in in St. Louis. And it's amazing what what you can go through to try to make sure you have the right tenant in. And I think you just kind of talked about this. But even though you go through all this, you're still going to have you're you're working with people a lot of times are paycheck to paycheck. And then mm-hmm. they have issues that come up in their lives. How do you guys because Jack, you you seem like a very genuine person and you you want to help people out. How do you guys actually walk that line with you know, taking care of the investor, but also taking care of the tenant, because, you know, if you take care of the tenant and they just have a little blimp on the, on the, on the screen, that um, you don't want to start eviction because you think they're going to get it back together because keeping them in there is better than acquiring a new tenant. How do you guys, you know, balance those two issues? Yeah, you really can't give too much leeway in this tenant class. You know, because they'll then you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. So you really have to create pretty, you know, hard nosed mm-hmm. structure with okay. them. And, you know, yet are there times where the team makes decisions on the fly in terms of, yeah, this person actually does have a legitimate thing. We'll let them pay late. We'll let them, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out, partial payments. So that does happen because, you know, we don't want to 
turn, keep turning over, you know, tenants. We want, we want them to stay and long-term as humanly possible, right? Because tenant, tenant mm-hmm. turnover is the most costly part of property rental business. You know, that is because you have vacancy and then, which is very costly. The most, I think vacancy is the most costly line item. And then, you know, you're going to have your tenant turnover costs to get the property back into rent ready condition. So we don't, mm-hmm. we, we want them to stay a long time. So, you know, we want to answer their maintenance requests very quickly. Now, some of them abuse it and they'll call about just so many stupid things that, and then they waste our time coming out for things that really weren't necessary to call about. So you have to decipher and wade through that as well. But yeah, we, um, we definitely like December, for example, that's a t- that is a tougher month in this class because they want to buy Christmas presents. We get it. But at the end of the day, you've got to pay your rent first. So we actually, I mean, we have guys that go out and knock on doors and, you know, you almost have to do that. Like you have to get, you have to get in this. We have a team that goes into the streets and collects rent and, you know, you can't wait for them to maybe mail in the payment. Mm-hmm. You might be waiting. Checks in the mail, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, we did not talk about Indianapolis um, up to this point. I know that you're, anyone who's interested can find out more information about that on your website, but can you just give us a real brief uh, overview of why Indianapolis in Indiana is kind of one of the primary areas that you guys are focusing? Well, yeah, for me initially, it was just because, you know, I live in Michigan and it was less than three hours away. So I was like, okay, I can actually go in and see the market and see properties. And I had been familiar with the the market a little bit. Um, but as far as it's just got, it's got all the things that you need. I mean, the, the taxes are very low. They're capped at 2% of assessed value um, for investor property, which is, uh, I mean, just for me in Michigan, we're at four or 5%, like on my rental property. Okay. So that's right there. That's huge for cash flow. Um, the, the market has not really grown that much in terms of the prices aren't so high that it doesn't make sense from an acquisition standpoint. To have a good price to rent ratio, so the price to rent ratios are still very, very strong there. Um, it's a so, it, and really, it's because it's a stable city. Like in two thousand eight, it didn't really crash much. I mean, it dropped like ten percent. Mm. So, okay. it, it, in it's almost I wouldn't say recession proof, but it's proven that it's pretty pretty solid. So it's not it doesn't have these wild swings like your coastal markets does, right? Um, other parts is that, you know, there's a huge amount of rental demand and there's really good, stable blue collar jobs there. Lots of, lots of industry. Um, so the job market is, is very good. The city is growing, not fast, but it is growing, um, just because the job market's so good and the economy is so, you know, so solid. So overall, and then the, um, the, the, I already hinted to this, but the, a big thing is that the state law absolutely favors the owners and the investors over the tenants. That's great. That's great. And so um, let's jump over kind of into a little bit of a new subject here as we're getting closer towards the end Mm -hmm. here. But you had mentioned that you are personally using infinite banking in your own personal life as an investor to be able to build up a high cash value policy, use the cash value from that to invest in property and then use the proceeds from properties to pay back your policy loans. Can you talk a little bit about how that started for you and just kind of why you do that? Well, you know, I think like most people, you know, I wasn't educated about insurance. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, probably a lot of misinformation out there just from stereotypes even or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, it's the same thing I find in, in network marketing, right? There's just this mindset that people have where they're, for whatever reason, something that they've heard from others that's preventing them from seeing something that's pretty pretty awesome, right? So I think with insurance, mm-hmm. it's like the same thing. Yes, there's there's obviously there's great insurance products, and then there's some that are really not. So that's where you need like team like you guys to help decipher and help the you know investors or the you know the, the buyers to to be able to figure out what's the right move for them. So it was really just getting myself educated. Um, I hired this company out of Florida. They help you in, uh, they help the higher income earners and tax reduction type policy strategies that you can use to, you know, to, you know, lessen the pain of (laughs) April 15th. (laughs) And they referred me Mm -hmm. over to this company that they thought was, that they had partnered with to help with, um, insurance. And I wish it was you guys now, like that I look back, right? Hey, <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's been great to work, to have this policy. You with know, you, you're a pretty but, young man. And, you know, you, as you build your uh, bank up, you're going to need more and more policies. That's what, that's what I was That's right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> for sure. So, so it's, so, yeah, it's, it's great. So when, when did you first, as you go forward with this explanation, when was the first time, how old were you? How many years ago was that? that you actually got into Cause a lot of people say, well, I'm t- that would have been great if I would have done this when I was younger, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm old. Heck I started one of my father when he was 71 years old. So I mean, people have a lot of misconceptions right. here. Yeah. So I just, I just turned 40 um, this past year. I started it maybe not even uh, two okay. years ago. Um, okay. We put in a hundred thousand a year into our policy. So you know, we're pretty, pretty aggressive with it, pretty serious about it. What was really Mm -hmm. cool was, you know, after the one year anniversary, you know, I could, I was able to borrow back from my policy. I think it was, I want to say Mm 30,000. I don't know. Don't quote me exactly. Somewhere around there. Right. So now, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I understand it, right. And you guys are the experts, but the policy is continuing to grow, even though I borrowed money out of it. Let me correct you real quick, Jack. You're not really borrowing out of your policy. You're borrowing against yeah. your policy. There you so go. You're, and okay. this is really important for, mm-hmm. also for your mental approach. That's why that's what you're, you're about to say. Your money continues to grow uninterrupted compound growth because you're not actually borrowing your money. You're borrowing against it. You're bar- actually borrowing the reserves of the insurance company. Okay, well, that's good. Good terminology and all that makes a lot makes a difference. In what yeah, words you use? Words are words are very powerful. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. So when I had that thirty back, you know, I was like, "Wow, cool!" So I, you know, can invest into more property. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm making money on two parts. My policy is growing, continuing to grow. And probably one of the safest places I can put my money. Absolutely. One of the safest places, if not yeah. the safest. Yes. Yeah. I would say, probably, okay, let's just say the, for, for, for me, <laughs> it's the. So then the, on the other flip side of that, now I'm able to have this cash to be able to deploy and actively use to buy more investments, to fund my high return real estate acquisition so we can do more fix and flips. So it's really going to be cool when I hit, you know, year three, four, five on that, right? And that's where I can really borrow a, a quite a big chunk against the policy to really have some really cool working capital. So we did the, with a mutual 
a company, a mutual right. insurance company, right? Okay. Uh, I think that's what you guys absolutely, absolutely. That you're we supposed do to well. do. That's a very yeah. important part of it. Very important part of it. Um, so yeah, that's basically what the strategy has been. And you know, I I'm not exactly in my life the last 20 years since I started investing. Like I'm I'm historically. I buy high and sell low in the stock market. That's typically my strategy. It's amazing strategy. It really works out. But now, at least yeah, you're honest, right? No, uh, we all have our strengths, right? Yeah, well, you know what they always say, though, Jack. It's a, it's a, it's a tax deduction. Of course, you only get to write off three thousand dollars of those losses every year, but you have to pay taxes on all your gains. Exactly. Wow, yeah, that's, that's so. phenomenal. So now I can put money into something that is more, much more stable, much more secure. It's growing and it gets the money out of my hands so I don't do something dumb with it and buy stocks. Yeah, tax efficient. <laughs> tax efficient. Yes. Tax efficient too, right? It is tax efficient and yes, more stable. It was interesting. Actually, I feel like that's a great lead, lead over to, there's a quote on your website that I loved and I just wanted to highlight this real quick. You said, uh, or maybe you or someone else, um, but on your website, it says, real estate has outperformed the stock market two to one since 2000. Um, so because of that, if you were looking at someone right now who is maybe on the fence between saying, well, I'm in the stock market, I think it's probably going up, but then again, we just had some yeah. crash, you know, and then, I mean, we're looking at that instability and not, um, not really being able to be predictive of what exactly the future is looking like. And somebody who says, you know, I want to go over into real estate investing, but not as many people are doing it. It's less common. Um, can you talk about how it gives you more control really than the status quo? Well, no, it's a phenomenal question. So I look at it this way. This, this is the, one of the major events that got me to do real estate. I had, uh, in my uh, nutrition company, I had, I know that we had a really good quarter. I knew that. So I had insider information effectively. Now it wasn't anything like it was legal inside information. I'm a independent, you know, sales rep, right. But I know the, the metrics, mm -hmm. I know what's going on in the market. So I bought a lot of the stock and then about a week later, the earnings report. So I bought it right before the earnings report came out because I knew the earnings was going to be phenomenal. Earnings report comes out. Usually when it's good, stock goes up. Not always, right? You're right. But not always. Yeah, yeah not always. Right. But I knew it was a pretty good bet. So this guy, David Einhorn gets on the, on the phone on our, our, on our call. He asks three questions. He's a known short seller. So it created this effect. His questions created an effect that he was about to short the stock. Stock drops 30% overnight. Yeah. <sighs> so then that told me, you're not in control when you invest in the market, stock market. I'm not in control yep. at all. Even with your insider information. Even with information. insider information. There's <laughs> the whims of some other greedy dude that decided that he was going to make a ton of money off a great company great product, shorting it. And I'm like, here I am like, wow, like I can't live the rest of my life like that. So that's when I said, okay, real estate, I can control it to a certain extent. I not, can't control everything about it, but I can control a lot of the aspects of that investment. And I like to be in control. So that to me is much more, you know, like good for my overall well being <laughs> that I can actually see better at night knowing that I'm in control. So the other part I look at it is, do I want a big pile of cash at the end of the day or do I want streams of income? So this is my thought process is, okay, I hit 65. I've got, you know, I don't know, 
say 2 million, right? That I've accumulated, just whatever. Great. It's a great number. Not enough, but <laughs> it's throw Absolutely it out Absolutely not enough. Right? Uh-huh. So I've got 2 million in the stock market. Now I've got to start depleting those funds to live off of like for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. If I go into retirement with multiple streams of income that are kicking off plenty of money for me to live on, enjoy a great lifestyle, and still have access to where we can be charitable without worry, we can still invest for the future. That to me just makes a lot more sense to have a stream of in- streams, not stream, but multiple streams of income versus one lump sum. So that's why I invest. My my nutrition company is built on a pa- build, building a passive stream of income. Rental real estate is built on a s- passive stream of income. That's what I want: is those big streams of income coming in, and not just one. If anything happens to where one drops or dries up, then I'm not I'm not in a bad way. I love that you said that because that I feel like you have encapsulated our philosophy about having streams of income and also control. And I think this is a powerful message for people that we speak to on a regular basis that are entrepreneurs and business owners because they're thinking that direction. But it's also a powerful message for the person who is in a corporate job, getting that high paid income right now, and still being in a position where they lack the control and they lack the streams of income and realizing that they need to jump over into a different way of thinking and a different mindset in order to make that happen. So um, just thanks for sharing that. And I'm all for capital you know, appreciation because obviously tax wise down the, you know, you're not taxed on it immediately. You can defer the taxes and grow the wealth, you know, in terms of just the appreciation of the asset. So that's the one thing that the stock market offers you, right? Mostly you can get streams of income doing um, option trading and all that. Right. But with, you know, with real estate, I can do, I can get capital appreciation and I can get cash flow streams of income. Now, I will say this, it's tougher to do both at a, you know, like at a high level. Usually you have to kind of give up one for the other in a way. Like our properties, we don't expect them to go up in value like that much. So it's not a capital appreciation play. It's more of a cash flow play. Mm-hmm. And um, those that, you know, when you're investing, say in California, you're, if you're, or those coastal markets and you think they're going to go up, you're not. It's not a cash flow play by any stretch, right? Probably a negative cash flow play. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you're you're banking on that appreciation. It's like, okay, what is it that you want? I mean, you know, that's a pretty risky strategy from my viewpoint of just banking on capital appreciation. But some people that really know what they're doing, they they can play that game. Sure, that's a little more in the speculation area as opposed to the solid income yeah, stream. I'd rather buy and know versus be buying and praying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff you're doing. You have a podcast as well. Um, and really that's, um, I want you to share a little bit about your podcast and then also how would an interested investor reach out to high return real estate and what would the process look like if they did want to move forward with you? Yeah, the podcast, you know, we're about uh, 50 episodes in. I mean, we, we definitely enjoy it. <clears throat> we, uh, gosh, we wish we could do more of them. I mean, it's, it's so hard, right. To, uh, grow all the aspects of a business and a company and, and yet take the time out to do that. And it's something you can procrastinate, right. Yeah. Cause it doesn't give you an immediate return by any stretch, right. It's a long play. 
So we've uh, definitely struggled in terms of our consistency, which is, which has probably hurt our, you know, audience growth in a way, but we look at the podcast as a way to educate our investors and have them be able to get a relationship with us without actually meeting us to where they can start to know, like, and trust us and see what we Mm -hmm. do and, and what we can offer. And also educate them if they if they never do business with us, at least we're educating them about being smarter about how they do go about their their rental purchases and their investment uh, portfolio. So we we have a lot of different guests on our show. Sometimes it's just Shecky and I letting it rip, and then other times you know we have guests. I mean, you guys definitely should be on our show and talking about what you do. It'd be awesome to have you there, you know to share that kind of um, knowledge. And it's it's really. Um, yeah, it's it's really turns out it's been much more of a tool to educate people who kind of come to our website than it is like a marketing type of tool. And uh, to Excellent. yeah, our website is highreturnrealestate.com. You know, anybody's interested in learning more about what we do, you know, we have videos there, the podcast link is there, blogs, um, and then they can book a call with our head of investor relations, Nicole. If uh, once they speak to her, they really want to speak to myself or Shecky, we welcome that. But um, yeah, it's excellent. Great, thanks for asking. I mean, it's it's been it's been fun. That's awesome. And I think you list your properties outright on the website as well that are available. Is that yes correct? and no? Like a lot of times they're already sold before they even hit the website. So oh, yeah, gotcha. it's crazy. Okay. We can't even. I mean, we we do sell property within about most of the time within twenty four to forty eight hours of it being completed. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's it's incredible demand. Um, you know, and it's not easy to get a property all the way through all of our processes to where it's ready. So you know, we don't have like a, a enormous supply. So when it's something hits the, you know, hey, it's ready, then usually there's already an investor that's waiting for a property to be done. So, um, but yeah, we do try to put up properties if if we can, but it's hard to keep up with, you know, that a lot of times are already sold. That's excellent. Well, um, Bruce, anything that you want to share in closing before we wrap up? I think this has just been an awesome show. Yeah, I just want to tell you, Jack, uh, thank you for your can how candid you were today and your in your genuine uh, attitude towards our listeners. We really appreciate all the education you gave us today, and uh, we we look forward to uh, having you on again. I think uh, you're the type of um, uh, real estate investor we want to expose our people to, and because we we have a very discerning um, eye as far as the people we want to take our listeners to, to obtain cash flowing properties. And so we're really glad that we ran into you today. No, appreciate that, Bruce. Thanks so much. And yeah, I I think you guys, wow, you have some amazing questions. I'm like, I, I don't know really what else I could, you know, tell everyone. Bottom line is I think, um, you know, you got to know what is it that your goals are and, you know, like what, what is your bandwidth? So in other words, do you want to be an active investor? Or do you want to be a passive investor? And I think for most people, they're probably much better off if they're just totally focused on their, what they, what they're doing to generate income and then become a passive investor on the other side. I agree. So I agree. they just, if they're going to do that though, they need to get knowledge. They need to they need to be listening to podcasts Absolutely. like yours and get educated about all the different strategies because it's a lot more to it. If you really want to grow and protect wealth, there's a lot more to the game than just 
you know, signing up with a, a broker and say, here, invest my money for me. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So yes, thank you so much for being on the show today. And um, just thank you for sharing your, your experience and, um, and your opportunity with us as well. And we'll absolutely be in touch. All of the links will be on the show notes as well, as well as the link out to that, um, your guide that you have available on your, on your website. So thank you so much for being with us today, Jack. Well, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And in closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.